You are listening to Payers, Providers, and Patients Oh My. I'm Joe Records. And I'm Pio Nanavetti. And today we wanted to play a conversation we had with Jody Daniel and Ambassador Robert Holliman. To give a little background here, we've been hearing a lot about innovation in healthcare. That includes regulators who are working to address advances in technology that could have the potential to shake up healthcare as we know it. Jody leads the firm's digital health practice. That's right. And we brought in Ambassador Holliman to the conversation because, as we'll discuss, the ability of digital health to improve healthcare across political boundaries really transforms the regulation of digital health from a local issue into a global issue. Jody and Robert are going to touch on tensions between better healthcare for all and protecting individual patients' data, legal and regulatory barriers to healthcare innovation, and how countries can avoid hampering innovation. And Jody and Robert also will touch on a recently released roadmap that lays out the 10 most important principles that we think governments need to consider as they address digital technology in healthcare. Right. And so while we're seeing a recognition from U.S. regulators about this digital movement, most recently through CMS and the OIG's rulemaking on the Stark Law and anti-kickback statute, which specifically included rulemaking pertaining to cybersecurity and technology, Jody and Robert's conversation focuses on the global implications of digital health. Thank you both for being in the studio today. We have a relatively minute issue to discuss today, which is the future of all of healthcare on planet Earth. Let's start, if we could, Jody, with you by discussing where we are in digital health specifically. We talk a lot about digital health. We hear a lot about digital health. And we'd like to start by putting a frame around why digital health is important, where we are, and where we're going. Great. Thank you so much. That's a very big question that you just asked. Um, there's lots of different ways to answer it. What digital health really is, is simple. It's just about bringing information technology to healthcare and helping provide information that can help inform and improve decision making in the healthcare space. There are a couple of really interesting things that we see about digital health and where digital health is really changing how healthcare is being delivered in the US and internationally. We are seeing more target and personalized care delivery. So instead of making decisions based on the average patient, we're seeing changes where healthcare providers can make decisions based on the individual patient they have in front of them. We're seeing changing players. We're seeing new entrants into the healthcare space. So in the past, we knew there were healthcare providers, hospitals, and health plans. And now there are a whole lot of new players in the market. We're seeing telehealth companies. We're seeing remote patient monitoring companies. We're seeing different ways of providing treatment to individuals. We're also seeing greater patient engagement. Now, all of a sudden, individuals can get their own information before or after they go to the doctor that can help them to think about their own health and potential care that they may need or potential treatment for a particular symptom or condition that they have. And I think one of the biggest opportunities is that digital health technology can improve access to care around the world through remote technologies and improve the quality of that care that can get to individuals around the world by providing information in the hands of folks wherever they are. When you put it that way, it makes sense that we would be spending so much time talking about (laughs) digital health because, you know, potentially huge in terms of outcomes. Yeah, game-changing. It could be absolutely game-changing. So in terms of, of course, the way I approach healthcare is always what are the regulations? And for digital health, it's not like there's a digital health statute or a particular set of digital health regulations. So what does the regulatory framework look like for the players who are in digital health right now? 
That's a really interesting question. There are existing regulations that need to fit into the new innovative technology. And there are new regulations that apply to the innovative technology. So there are regulations on health information privacy, health information security. There are regulations on reimbursement. What does Medicare or private payers pay for with respect to these new technologies and new kinds of services? There are regulations for oversight. What does the FDA cover? What is the FDA going to look at with respect to safety of technology that's being used in the healthcare space? So there are existing laws that apply to the new technology, and they don't always fit. So we thought about health information privacy, for example, back in 1996 when the HIPAA statute was first passed. We didn't have smartphones. People were barely using email even back then. But yet, we have to figure... the sound the internet made when you dialed in. (laughs) (laughs) Right, exactly. But now we have to figure out, well, how do those laws apply when we're talking about artificial intelligence and machine learning technologies? And so there are existing regulations that may not always fit. And then there are new regulations that focus on interoperability and standards for technology and things like that. So we have to look at the old rules and figure out how they fit into the new technology. And then there are some new rules and regulations that are being developed to apply to the new innovations that we're seeing as well. So it sounds like in some instances, these new players in the healthcare industry are having to figure out how these older regulatory regimes actually apply to the technology they're trying to introduce, uh, whether that's to assist patients or providers or just provide new data for research or analytics. Is that how it's working right now? Yeah, that's exactly the case. For example, I'll just go back to health information privacy. There were provisions regarding de-identification. Well, once you have massive amounts of data sets and data analytics to combine different data sets, does that impact what is truly de-identified? Just one simple example, but every time there's a new capability, it sort of strains the old rules and strains those innovators to figure out how they fit in with those old rules. Have agencies or Congress kind of caught up to legislate or regulate in these areas? They're working on it. So HHS is trying to promote innovation, is trying to come up with policies that enable technology developers to innovate and enable healthcare providers to use that innovation in treating patients. So we are seeing some changes in how FDA is regulating medical device software, for example. We're expecting some proposed changes on HIPAA privacy rules that we expect to support care coordination and innovative uses of data. We're seeing changes in reimbursement where we're seeing CMS try to cover new kinds of technologies like remote monitoring information, like virtual care. So we are seeing the government try to think about innovation and think about digital health as they're promoting new policies and think about how to modify existing rules to support those technologies. Now, as digital technologies become more prevalent, geography seems like it matters less. And we're talking about U.S. regulatory regimes here, but really this is a global healthcare issue. Robert, can I ask you to touch a little bit on what the global issues are here, what the international issues are in digital health? Sure. Thank you. Prolomong International is the global public policy 
market access trade advisory service firm of Crowell Mooring. We work historically in identifying emerging public policy issues that affect major sectors in the evolving regulatory and legal landscape. The health sphere has been a large focus for many years. It's certainly um, increasingly with the UN engaged in, in recent decisions around universal health coverage. There's a recognition that governments everywhere need to be doing a better job, providing the ability to get quality health care for citizens around the world, both in developed countries like the United States, but particularly in emerging markets. In trying to meet that challenge, governments are really dealing with two things, which is one, how do they scale and how do they deal with cost? We see in the debates around digital health that that is a key enabler in both of those areas. It enables costs through precision medicine or through ensuring access to people who otherwise wouldn't be able through telehealth and other means to have the medical care in front of them to be able to get access to that. And secondly, we see it as something that has the ability to provide high-quality health care and services at a lower cost. So this has become a major differential. And what we're seeing is governments around the world are rapidly adopting new laws and regulations, always beginning, I would say, with a look at what the U.S. has done, but many times adopting elements of the U.S. laws, but then essentially creating a hybrid that they think meets their infrastructure needs. So this is a rapidly growing area. Many companies are wanting to make sure this is understood and that digital health doesn't simply get wrapped up into either a pre-existing set of laws and regulations around health or a pre-existing or emerging set of laws around technology. This is really a hybrid. It needs to be thought of with the opportunity it can bring, but also some of the unique regulatory and legal aspects, and that's what we see governments trying to deal with. And I think one of the really interesting things here about the legal landscape as it relates to digital health is that before we had technology like we're seeing today, healthcare was really a local issue or a countrywide issue. It wasn't a global issue. But with technology that's emerged, it has changed that so that now technology that might be developed in one country can be really used and leveraged in another country to provide better care, to provide higher quality care, and to provide information at the hands of, for instance, a rural healthcare worker who's treating a patient that would not have had that information before. And so the technology itself does change the landscape and make healthcare more of a global set of issues as opposed to just a regional or a countrywide set of issues that a particular organization would need to address. And I think one of the biggest challenges we see is to ensure that these new laws and regulations in whatever country or region they're rising both recognize the need to protect certainly sensitive patient information, protect the integrity of the data, but also allow this sort of huge innovation that's happening to continue to occur. I, as a longtime sort of former policymaker working in the policy environment, I think one of the biggest challenges we see is 
the need for governments to set the right foundation so that this can grow, but that they not act to fossilize the technology in a way that it looks like 2019 or 2020 technology, but it recognizes these huge advances that need to be built in the future, because that's the only way that we get the full opportunity around digital health. And talking to governments, that's a real challenge. Policymakers tend to legislate or rulemake around what they know, Mm -hmm. and they have a difficult time seeing around the corner. And I think what we need to do and what a lot of the companies and industry are doing we're trying to help them see the promise, even while recognizing that we need the right framework and regulation at present. It sounds like there's a lot of opportunity, really, from different types of players. Governments have an opportunity to create an environment that's going to foster innovation, and companies have an opportunity, have lots of opportunities to make that innovation happen. One of the things that we've done is try to get out of a silo in talking about single issues around digital health and to try to understand that there is a mix of issues that all come to play in setting the right policy framework. And so we put out a policy roadmap really talking about the future of health is digital. And it very deliberately looks at the mix of issues, whether they are privacy, patient access to health data, others that Jody can talk about, that we think all matter Mm -hmm. in terms of digital health and helped us to move beyond a specific company's product offering or a specific disease state to help us realize that it actually takes all of these policies to be integrated, some of which are specific to digital health and others have broader implications, but very much matter about the next innovation in digital health. Yeah, I think there's a couple of interesting tensions here, right? So there is the governments have an obligation to protect their citizens, right? So they have an obligation to make sure that products are safe and effective. They have obligations to protect the privacy of their citizens' information. They have obligations with respect to the individuals over whom they govern. They also have an interest in making sure that the individuals within their borders have access to the best quality of healthcare and have access to healthcare that they need when they need it. And so there's this tension between promoting innovation and protecting their citizens that governments really need to grapple with as they're coming up with policies that support digital health. And that's not an easy road to play. When I was in government and working on digital health policy, we're constantly on the edge of that balancing test and trying to figure out How do you make sure that you're providing the right level of protections and not getting in the way of innovation that we really didn't know would be coming down the pike when we were writing those rules? So one of the really important things in setting policy is to make sure that there is enough flexibility to enable innovators to come up with the next generation, the next iteration of that innovation, or the leapfrog in innovation, and to make sure that the rules don't hamper that. Well, and related to that is the challenge that governments have around how they deal with the proliferation of government policies, but ensuring as much convergence or consistency among those policies as possible. So in the area of digital, and I'm a former trade negotiator, and one of the biggest challenges we see that also really comes to bear around health 
are around data localization measures. Governments who act many times absolutely with the best interests of their citizens' mind, who don't want data to be able to leave their country's borders. And in health, we really need to be able to strike a balance so that personal patient information is absolutely protected. Mm -hmm. But the opportunities to scale around collecting and utilizing data for research or development of new therapies or others really are maximized when data is not just limited to a particular country, but in fact, it could be regional or global. And so we need to tackle those issues that are both trade barriers, they are barriers to information, but they're also potentially barriers to the opportunities around digital health. And that's a balancing act that every government needs to go through, but we need to help them understand how revolutionary and valuable this can be for society, and that you can do that and still protect individual patient data, and that we actually can have and should have the best of both worlds. So what's interesting about what you just said is that I think one of the biggest opportunities that digital health provides is the opportunity to have a learning health system where the data that is collected on each individual that is being served by the various healthcare systems can help improve the healthcare for everyone through research, through real-world evidence, through public health initiatives and the like. And so the issues related to data and data access and data availability are critical to actually achieving that greatest goal of having a learning health system. I'll give you a specific example around data and cross-border data transfer, which is data that may be collected on a medical device. If you are a patient or your provider and there is a medical device that is part of you, implanted in you, that you're carrying around, and you get on a plane, and you travel from Asia to the U.S., to Latin America, to Europe, back to Asia, and then elsewhere, is that data that you are collecting and that's being transmitted to a provider of that device, is that data all protected, but also is that data yours with your provider? So that data can actually be used. And that's a great example where, one, the laws are not all clear. But secondly, where I fear that these efforts to correct barriers around data transfer could really harm the ability to use that data that's being collected across borders for an individual patient to ensure her or his best health. And so that's an area where it's not just a hypothetical. But those issues have to be addressed so that in a legal, comprehensive fashion, those patients, those consumers can get the best health care using the data that's collected from them as they transit borders and regions. And that's one of the areas that we want to get ahead of this so that we don't find people being stopped at airports or told that the data that was collected on them in country X cannot be used by their healthcare provider in country Y because that data couldn't be transmitted across the border. So it's both thinking ahead, 
but it's the reality for how this technology and data matters in cross-border situations. What's the tallest hurdle between where we are now and successfully crafting policy that's going to promote and foster digital health innovation? Is it something we've touched on already? Is there something else that, I mean, we've talked about some tensions that exist. We've talked about some of the challenges that are out there. What's the most difficult thing we have to overcome in making digital health policy? I'd say I think it's really twofold. And I think maybe one of the biggest will be around the growing use of artificial intelligence to ensure that the benefits of health are optimized for new therapies, new medications coming to market, and very different approaches globally to how artificial intelligence is being viewed. And I think there's huge support around how this gains learning that we would not have had before. But we also see not just in the health space, but I think the pernicious aspects of this may be prevalent in the health space about how countries want to wall off data. For example, China has a very different approach to how Chinese data is used globally, whereas U.S. data, not specifically in health, but U.S. data tends to be more open. How does the EU look at this, where the EU believes that privacy is a fundamental human right, whereas large number of countries in Asia, for example, don't have that same system? And so how can we take advantage of the opportunity around AI to expedite the process, to get better outcomes, to learn from that continuous learning, but break down these silos that tend to exist in other areas that are now being applied to AI. So I think that's one big area. I would say that one of the biggest hurdles is that I think the technology could leapfrog where we are today, but we have such well-established systems for delivering and paying for healthcare that may not be aligned with the potential for how we could be providing care in the future. And I think the existing established approach could make it hard for innovation to really leapfrog ahead of where we are in providing more access to higher quality care to more people around the globe. I'm just thinking back to when cell phones first came on the scene, countries that didn't have a really good infrastructure for telephone service were able to adopt mobile technology much more quickly than, say, the U.S., because we already had this established infrastructure. And changing that infrastructure to a new approach took more time than the folks that didn't have that infrastructure in place beforehand. So I think that we have so many players. I'm just thinking in the U.S., for example. We have so many players that have developed business models and approaches to care delivery based on what is today. And it would really require a lot of shift in implementation and operations of the healthcare system to really take the most advantage of digital technology. And I think that will just take time. I don't necessarily think there's something that policymakers can do to help us to jump that hurdle faster or to bring down that hurdle very much. But I think it's something to keep in mind when policymakers are looking at how to advance promising technologies and what kind of resistance they may be getting to those policies. And that really speaks to why work we're doing collectively in places like 
the UN or the APEC, the Asia-Pacific Economic Cooperation Forum, are so important because those are all efforts that aren't trying to get solely at a specific law or regulation, but they're really trying to help tell the story and paint the picture of what this can mean. And that's really critical for policymakers to ensure that they're not just legislating or regulating on what they know, but they understand the process. And so that's why we see companies obviously caring about the current system of reimbursement, their partnerships around the technology, but also those groups of companies coming together and banding together in these fora Mm -hmm. to be able to lay out a picture that all of them are embracing. There may be winners and losers among those companies in that future. But what they want to lay out is a way that policymakers see that these aren't just in isolation, but these are, in fact, game changers that can improve global health. And that's why it's a fundamental part of all these conversations. And I think one thing to your point about these collaborative activities is I don't think we'll ever get to a point where we will have perfect harmonization of laws across the globe. But to the extent that we could have harmonization of principles and common approaches to dealing with these challenges, I think it will make it much easier for companies that are trying to provide these innovations across the globe to be able to operate in that global environment. And so I think that is actually an attainable goal to agree to principles and policies for how to think about the government's role in protecting their citizens as well as promoting innovation. And then enabling some variation within those principles across different countries. And in our policy roadmap, we lay out the 10 most important principles that we think governments need to be addressing as they look to digital technology and healthcare. It is very much our view that all 10 of those matter. And what we need governments to understand, and which I think increasingly many are, is that one or two or three of these done right is not sufficient. It takes the mix of those 10. And that's why it's important that industry is really rallying around not just digital health, but the broader landscape around these policies. And that's what we're trying to do in working with companies and industry sectors and academia and governments is to try to realize it's all 10 of those, not one or two or three or four. So one of the issues, certainly, that comes up in the U.S., but globally, is around reimbursement. Mm -hmm. And there are companies who are pioneering this space, and they say, well, the existing models aren't necessarily structured to provide sufficient reimbursement or the right processes for reimbursement around these technologies. Do you think that's an issue? And without getting into the nuances of the reimbursement structure, Is reimbursement an area where policy regulation needs to catch up with the opportunity? Yes. (laughs) So I do think the way we pay for care does impact the adoption of innovative technology. So particularly, for instance, in the U.S., we had to provide financial incentives for doctors and hospitals to just adopt electronic health records technology and to start capturing information in digital format. We see that the folks who have to pay the cost of the technology aren't necessarily the same entities that will see the benefits from that technology. 
And so the way the reimbursement is set up really does impact the adoption of innovative technology. I think as we move more to value-based care, where reimbursement is based on the value of the care being provided and the quality and outcomes of that care being provided, I think we will see more openness and adoption of digital health technology because it will help to lead to that outcome for which a provider or hospital is getting reimbursed. So I do think that the reimbursement models really do matter and will impact the adoption of the technology overall. We've talked a lot about the regulators, but what steps can innovators take to improve their experiences navigating global policy on digital health? I think there are a couple of places where digital health is coming to the fore, not just by health companies, but more broadly. Two examples would be one, APEC, which is the Asia Pacific Economic Cooperation Forum. There's a very active working group around life sciences innovation. It's been around over a decade. And they've just begun to look at the possibilities and promise of digital health as improving healthcare outcomes and really bringing together the best from government regulators, from academics, and from industry. A second place where this is happening is ASEAN, which is the 10 countries of the Association of Southeast Asian Nations, who've stood up a work stream around digital and digital governance. And one of the areas, particularly for those fast emerging Southeast Asian countries, is to understand how digital health done right really proposes an opportunity for them to improve the health outcomes of their patients. And I think that this is something that companies are looking to embrace and discuss within the context of the ASEAN digital work streams. And then I would add one other thing. I think there's a real opportunity for companies to be thought leaders, to one, not wait for governments to come up with policies, but to develop their own policies and governance for their own data, for their own technology, and come up with a principle-based approach for how they are going to proceed in the absence of perhaps some certainty about how all these policies will apply around the world. And we've worked with companies in developing those governance structures and those policies for their internal practices. We've also worked with companies as they want to be thought leaders with governments who are thinking about these issues and trying to understand what the different options are and what the impact of some of the legislative or regulatory changes might be to innovative technologies. And so there's an opportunity, I think, for healthcare, life sciences, technology companies to work with governments in areas where they're active to help them understand what policies may work, what may not, and what the impacts of those policies are, and to really partner with different government entities to help shape the future here. Well, it's important for those companies to do it because we know there's a rapidly, quickly evolving landscape around more regulation on the technology sector broadly. It's happening globally. And so health companies have a real interest in getting out there and telling their story so that the interface between technology and better health is understood and they don't get simply swept up into the discussions around broader-based technology that could then lead to rules or regulations that affect the quality of healthcare going forward. So it's important that health companies tell that story, and we see them increasingly doing that to make sure 
that the promise of this is really brought forward to providers and to clinicians and patients. Payers, Providers, and Patients Oh My is a podcast brought to you by Kroll and Mooring LLP. You can find more information at kroll.com slash healthcare podcast. Thank you.